Hey, let's give Jesus Christ a hand clap of praise. Can we do that? Come on, give Jesus. Absolutely. Cool. God bless you. You can be seated. Uh, It's a privileged opportunity to be on campus. This, no doubt, is one of the premier Christian universities in all of the world, and you get the privileged opportunity of making it a premier Christian university. You know, great Christian colleges don't happen accidentally. It takes a group of students who understand the purpose of being here and equipping and training yourself. It takes the blessing and the favor of the Lord, which is definitely obvious, not only in the past, but as you look to the future. But it also takes called and capable leadership. And I know you know this, but when it comes to called and capable leadership for a premier Christian university, you have the absolute best sitting right down there in the front row. So thank you, Scott and Karen. We salute you guys and just honor you. Hey, I want you to take your copy of God's Word, whatever tablet form you have, and go to Genesis chapter 17. I want to talk to you about making the most of your college years. Because some of the greatest days of your life are ahead of you, even yet this year. Some of the biggest decisions that you make this year will have an impact on the rest of your life. And some of the friends that you make, even this year, but while you're at NU, can I just say, too, NU has some of the coolest swag when it comes to shirts and stuff like that, man. I just, I don't know who's responsible for that, but you have cool swag. Of all of our schools, I love NU's shirts, hoodies, the whole nine yards. You just know, you got to know that. So kudos to um, that. Sorry, my ADD kicked in there, and... uh, But some of the greatest friends, they'll be lifelong, happen. This year has already been, but continue to be so, maybe the greatest year of spiritual transformation in your life. But I think you know this, just attending a premier Christian university like North, North Central doesn't automatically guarantee your spiritual growth. You got to take advantage of this incredible asset called NU. So I want to share with you four essentials that if you practice, it can help you grow in your faith and understanding God's purpose for your life and that you can bank on in your life as long as Jesus tarries. I want to set this in a scriptural context. So if you'll go to Genesis chapter 17, uh, Genesis chapter 17 is a story of Abram, who then names gets changed to Abraham. And out of these eight verses, we're going to extract these essentials. The Bible says in verse 1 of Genesis 17, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless, then I will make my covenant between me and you, and you will be greatly increase your numbers. Verse 3, Abraham fell face down. Highlight that if you can, or underline it in your uh, tree copy of God's word, because we're going to come back to that. 
And God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You'll be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be changed to Abraham, for I've made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. Kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. To be your God and the God of your descendants after you, the whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and to your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Four essentials that if you take advantage of can really be of great benefit to you and your leadership calling. Essential number one is the discipline of waiting. The discipline of waiting. And perhaps, during college, one of the most difficult disciplines to exercise. Come on, let me ask you, have you ever been in a hurry when God wasn't? One of the most difficult things in life and in school is to wait. In fact, waiting isn't just a product of social trends and generational shifts. It's an expression of something profoundly human. And what's equally profoundly human is our propensity to want to get in a hurry and actually get ahead of God's timing. And then you make decisions that you later regret. So when Abraham was 75, God promised him a son through Sarah. And age 86, they had no children, so they took matters into their own hands. Sarah took her servant girl, Hagar, to sleep with Abraham, and they had a son. His name was Ishmael, but the problem is that wasn't a part of the promise. That wasn't a part of the timeline that God had for Abraham and Sarah. And so consequently, Ishmael was born sort of out of the promise of God. You had Isaac born in the promise of God. And today the conflict between Ishmael and Isaac, which is the conflict between Palestine and Israel, exists today because somebody didn't practice the discipline of waiting. Part of walking with God and fulfilling the dream that he has for your life is learning to wait, believing that he will come through. I brought to you a copy um, of a Bible that was given to me in college. And so like many of you, when I was coming to the end of my collegiate year and was still single, and wanting to go into the ministry and uh, feeling like I wanted God's person, God's purpose for my life. And yet there was no one on the horizon. So it was my senior year. I was getting that senior year anxiety saying, hey, God, is there anybody here? Are you going to fulfill? And I met someone in the summer of my junior year. Her name was Gail. She was a nursing student. She came out to school but didn't come from the typical background that I was brought up in. And so I was questioning, God, is this right? Is this not right? Like some of you already know, in a relationship, you get to that point where you know if you're going to keep going, you make a little bit stronger of a commitment, or if you're not going to keep going, you should probably call it off. And we had gotten to that point, hey, should I continue going and become stronger in my commitment, or should I back out? Well, Like what you do, 
Every semester we had spiritual emphasis going on at the school that I attended. And I decided that during the spiritual emphasis renewal days, I was going to fast, I was going to take scripture, I was going to go to the prayer hall and just kind of focus on God. And it's kind of interesting, I wish the camera you could see this, but one of my scripture readings during that fast came out of Proverbs 31 and written there in pencil. It's just very, very faded, but I put CBC, November 1981, is, a, is scripture that says, a wife of noble character who can find, she is worth far more than rubies, her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value, she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And I want you to know, Stumping students, even in the area of relationships, if you will give God time, he will bring to you the right companion for you to chase the dreams that God has for your life. I was feeling anxious, but in a moment during spiritual emphasis, God, through his word gave to me an understanding that if I'll exercise the discipline of waiting, he will provide for me. And he did. Come on, I know you know this, but God wants what's best for you even more than you do. I don't like to wait, but here's what I've discovered. It's not God's job to make every moment of my life comfortable. It is his job to conform me into the image of his son. So in waiting... Can I encourage you to do a couple things? Number one, practice patience. Just learn to hit the pause button. Secondly, get God's confirmation. And there's a difference between God's confirmation and how many likes you get on a post. Sometimes if you develop your confirmation based on what you throw out there on social media, all you're really getting is a person's take. But when you get God's confirmation, you can rest comfortably. Thirdly, pay close attention to your intuition. Now hear me, students, this is a spirit-filled campus. We believe in the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not an it that you get at camp. It's not a, he's not a theological concept to be debated. He is the third member of the Godhead that when you accept Jesus Christ, he takes residency in your life. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit can do is to make known to you the will of the Father. So if you're looking for the Holy Spirit just to help you speak in tongues, you are reducing his work in your life. Part of the work in him, of him in your life is to give you a sense of discernment about what's best for you. So pay close attention to your intuition because it's spirit-driven. And thirdly, take advantage of spiritual advisors. You've got people on this campus whose primary interest is for your success, spiritually and otherwise. So I want to encourage all of you, whether you're an incoming freshman with a lot of dreams to change the world or an outgoing senior with a lot of dreams of what you want to do, practice waiting. Secondly, I would encourage you to develop the value of trusting Develop the value of trusting. And we trust because we know that God is more than just an omnipresent God. He's a right here, right now, right next to you present God. 
Sometimes we comprehend the omnipresence of God more than we do that he's as close as the mention of his name type God. You see, at age 75, God gave Abram this promise. In fact, it's interesting, the name Abram actually means exalted father. And in biblical times, your name and the meaning of your name had a lot, had a lot to do with your identity. So can you imagine walking around Abram, whose name means exalted father, and people saying, well, hey, how many kids do you have? <laughs> uh, none. So here in verse 5, God actually changes Abram's name to Abraham, which means father of many. <laughs> and you're thinking, man, that seems cruel. But don't miss this teaching point. It's easy to trust God when everything is working out well and how you like it. But when things aren't going well and it's not happening how you like it, that's when trust becomes very important. Come on, life is not like a digital game where you can hit delete and start all over. Sometimes you just have to trust so Paul, when he writes about Abraham in Romans chapter 4, he says this, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him, and without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his reality, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Now watch this. Abraham wasn't denying reality. He was 99 years old, and he didn't have any children. And the teaching point here is this. Sometimes you're taught that if you're a person of really mature faith, then you'll never go through any difficulties in life. There's a Greek word that describes that philosophy, baloney. How many of you know it rains on the just and the unjust? Sickness comes to Christians and non-Christians. Our family units go through difficulties, whether you're in the household of faith or not in the household of faith. So real trust is not based on how super spiritually mature you are. Real trust is learning how to put yourself in a relationship with God, and you allow his talk to be louder than self-talk. <laughs> self-talk is loud but have you ever discovered that yourself can lie to you at times? Yourself can tell you you're not worthy. Yourself can tell you, well, God's blessing other people, but not me. Here's what I want to encourage you. Don't you dare in these college years let yourself talk be louder than your God talk, or otherwise you'll get overwhelmed, intimidated, and want to quit. But if you can develop a trusting relationship with God the Father whose dreams for your life are bigger than your dreams, it'll get you through. And can I just tell you, at every level, you've got to learn how to develop trust. So I'm like number 13 as superintendents. In fact, the gentleman I follow, Dr. George Wood, he's got a couple different doctorate degrees. He's a lawyer. He has a doctorate in education. And I'll never forget when I was elected, he came up and gave me a hug and he said, hey, congratulations. Uh, you know you're number 13, aren't you? And I said, yeah. He goes, good luck. And I thought, okay, thanks. Third, third week that I was in office as general superintendent, there were some things happening in the country, and different people had different expectations of what I should do. 
Some people were saying, man, you need to come out and make a statement. You need to make this strong statement and take. Other people were saying, don't make a statement. Just, just call the fellowship to prayer. And I'm new into this role, and Dr. Wood was brilliant. He could write statements. He could write things out. And, and I'm struggling with this. Do, Lord, Lord, do I come out and make this statement? Do I not make a statement? I had good friends telling me to do one thing, good friends telling me to do another thing. And I just thought, God, i got to have a word from you. And I have a trusting confidence in God. But I had a weak moment. I just thought, I, I can't discern in my own spirit what I should do. So I, I took this Bible, this Bible that I used in ordination, this Bible that has scribbled in a margin in Proverbs 31, uh, CBC, my wife's name, in a year. And so this thing has d- helped me develop trust. So I took this Bible. I put it on my desk. I said, Lord, I, want to just, I just want a word from you. Just give me a word. And I let it fall open. And when it fell open... I don't recommend this, but I did it. Hey, and, and I thought maybe there's enough anointing left over in the general superintendent's office that it'll supernaturally fall into something. So I just, hey, let it fall open, and I threw my finger down, and I noticed I was in the book of Job. I thought, holy buckets. But I thought there's some cool things in Job, right? So I put my finger down, and it was somewhere in the neighborhood of Job 3, and the closest verse I was to was Job chapter 3, verse 23. <laughs> it reads something like this. What I have feared has come upon me, and what I have dreaded most has happened. I thought, wait a minute, that's not God. <laughs> so I grabbed it again. I said, Lord, I just need a word, and I let it fall open, and I put my finger down. I was desperate. When I put my finger down this time, I was in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 says things like, be strong and courageous. Joshua chapter 1 says things like, banish your fear and doubt, and remember the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I'm telling you, students, during your time here at school, develop a trusting relationship with God so that God talk will be always louder than self-talk in your life. And you develop that trust by learning what he says in the word. There's a fourth essential discipline that I think will pay great dividends to you, not only while you're here, but when you graduate. And that's the benefit of listening. The benefit of listening. The discipline of waiting, the value of trust, and the benefit of listening. I want to encourage you (coughs) to build time into your schedule just to listen to God. Now catch this out, or check this out, because when we read, we read that Abraham fell face down. Um, the theology teachers can change my theology if this doesn't line up. I'm not so sure that was just a manifestation of somebody being immobilized or slain in the spirit. I have a feeling that when he fell face down, It gave him an opportunity to have all the external distractions gone so that he could listen clearly to God. Because when he fell face down, he couldn't see anybody, he couldn't talk to anyone, and he had the ability to have the external distractions eliminated and muted so he could hear. In fact, after he fell face down, you'll see in our scripture, God spoke to him. Sometimes... Spiritually speaking, get face down with God. Eliminate every distraction. Eliminate every horizontal distraction so that you can hear God's voice. 
You say, Doug Clay, what should I be listening for when I fall face down? What should I be listening for when I develop this benefit of listening? Let me give you a couple things. Number one, learn to listen for any sins or attitudes that will keep you from reaching your God-ordained potential. David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Now watch this. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Just because you're at a Christian university doesn't mean that there are offensive attitudes that are gone automatically just because you got your ID card. It's a discipline that you and I have to do when the Lord spotlights and says, you know, that's a manipulative attitude. That's a judgmental attitude. And the cool thing is, God likes, as your president said, God likes to deal with those negative attitudes so that the inside you, so that the spiritual you faces forward, not the carnal you. Secondly, you should be listening to the Holy Spirit speak to you about relationships that need to be mended. I'm just telling you, relationships are a big deal. They're critical to your ministry. They're critical to your vocational effectiveness. And if you don't learn how to deal with relational conflicts here in school, for the rest of your life, that will be an obstacle you have to get over. Learn how to mend strained relationships. Thirdly, be listening to the Spirit's voice regarding acts of kindness to do. Seriously, what would happen every day on this campus? What would happen if every day you would just do one act of kindness for someone else without any attention being drawn to yourself? How cool would that be? Here's where I'm going with this. You know, in listening, you really have to develop an ability to hear. Because in a sense, listening is easy, but hearing is difficult. And there's a big difference between listening and hearing. Hearing is where directions come that impact your future. I heard an old article just recently about a shipping company that had advertised a job opening for a ship radios operator. And... The outer office was crowded with applicants who had come in because this was a well-paying job. And they were all called into this outside office and they were filling out their applications in that large room of people wanting to get this one position, a ship radio operator. They were all in there and they were talking loud and you had music being played over the speaker. Pretty soon a young applicant came into that room and filled out an application, was sitting there quietly, and then all of a sudden, with his filled out application, he stood up and he walked into an office that was marked private. A few minutes later, he came out wearing a big smile saying, I got the job, I got the job. And everybody in the room looked at him and they said, how did you get the job? We were here long before you. You weren't even in line. How did you get that job before us? And the successful applicant looked up and said, you know what, any one of you could have landed this job, but none of you were listening because in the music on the overhead speakers was a Morse code signal that was saying, anyone desiring to fill this position who is constantly alert and you're getting this message, please come through the door marked private. And that alert hearing 
applicant heard it and got the job. One of the cool things about being in a premier environment like this is that God speaks. He speaks in classrooms, he speaks in dorm rooms, he speaks in dorm chapels, he speaks in uh, uh, community chapels like this. So learn not just to listen, learn how to hear the voice of the Lord. Finally, this morning, I'd leave you with this one more essential, and that would be this. It's the importance of obeying. The importance of obeying. Verse 23 of Genesis chapter 17, you go on later, the Bible says, On that very day that Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or brought with his money, every male in his household and circumcised them as God told him. Watch this verse 24. Abram was 99 years old when he was circumcised. Dr. Tennyson can explain this to you if you don't fully understand it. But obedience can be painful. You think about it. I'm sure it was from Abram. God told him to go circumcise himself and his son. Now you think about it. There were no medical procedures in that day, no medical instruments in that day, probably no local anesthetic in that day. None of them were developed yet. So obviously this act of obedience was pretty painful. But it's what I would call immediate obedience. If you hear nothing else I say this morning, would you hear this? Partial obedience is the greatest enemy to obedience. Partial obedience is the greatest enemy to obedience. Don't let the fear and the anxiety of what you might give up in obeying keep you from truly obeying. Come on, students, I want to remind you of something you know and you're reminded every week. Number one, God does have a plan for your life, and his plan for your life is better than the one you can imagine. Isaiah 55, 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Secondly, God does speak to his people. Jeremiah 33, 3, Call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you the wonderful and marvelous things that you know nothing about. Thirdly, God knows your future. In fact, he's already in your future. And so Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. And I would encourage you, number four, you got to choose how much you believe about those above three. You got to choose. How much do you really believe that God's plan for your life is bigger than you, that God does speak to you, and that God does know your future? I was thinking about this this morning. You know, we don't teach our kids, those of you who are parents or grandparents, we don't teach our kids to obey for our convenience. We teach them to obey because hidden within obedience are a number of principles that will help them to succeed. Obedience. When you think about obedience, what are some of the characteristics in obedience that are, that are hidden gems? Well, you consider the needs of others. You become less selfish. You fit into an agenda that's other than yours. You submit to authority. Wow, those sound like excellent leadership principles right there. So I want to encourage you during your collegiate years, learn how to obey, but learn how to obey Right away, immediate obedience. Let's land this plane. Waiting. 
Don't preempt God's timing with your impatience. Trusting. That's the tension of doing God's will with your life. It's not so much an issue of you don't understand it, but it's dealing with what you do understand about his will. Students, your steps really are ordered of by the Lord, and he delights in the details of your life. Listening. Look, learn to listen, not with the intent of replying, but with the intent of truly hearing and understanding and obeying. I encourage you when you need to make decisions, don't let your emotions be the only vote that gets cast. Lean into God's word and learn how to obey it. Waiting, trusting, listening, obeying. Four essentials that as I look back on my own collegiate years, and a lot of these areas I fell short in, but in the areas that I honored the Lord in these areas, he was incredibly faithful to provide for me. I stand before you today as a 55-year-old person who's happily married, has seven grandchildren that I just simply adore, and I can say to you that my life has already exceeded my dreams. Not because of lucky breaks, not because, oh, well, that resume landed here, simply because the fact that I grew up with people telling me, if you wait on the Lord, he'll provide the best for you. If you don't try to preempt his purposes, God will provide. Hey, if you'll just trust God, even when you don't understand it, I lost my dad when I was nine years old, raised by a single mom, and went through a season of time where I was ticked off at God, saying, God, I would like a dad that would mentor me in this thing, but people came around me saying, trust God, trust God, trust God. Constantly encouraged by my spiritual authority figures in my life. Doug, learn to listen to the Lord for yourself. And I'm still learning how to try to obey right away. And I think these principles have set my life up to be at a place where I can stand in front of you and say, man, my life has exceeded my dreams. I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing. Is it stressful? Yeah, absolutely. Is it heavy? Absolutely. Have I experienced spiritual warfare like I've never experienced in my life? Absolutely. But there's a sweet spot to knowing you're a center in the will of the Lord, and that's where I'm at. So I want to pray for you, and I'd like to ask you to stand, if you would, please. And if you're comfortable, if you're comfortable, I want you to put a hand over your heart. Not trying to be patriotic here, but I want to I wanna lead you in a prayer. I want to lead the North Central Campus in a prayer that reflects this teaching. And I would love this to be a prayer for you. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray it for you one time through. Then the second time through, I'm going to pray and ask you to repeat the prayer with me. Pray with me. Lord, teach me to wait on you and not preempt your purposes by my impatience. Lord, teach me to trust you even when I can't figure it out. Lord, teach me to listen, not with an intent of replying, but with a desire just to hear you. And Lord, teach me to obey, even if it's painful or costly. 
Now, faculty and students, would you repeat this prayer after me? Lord, teach me to wait on you and not preempt your purposes by my impatience. Lord, teach me to trust you even when I can't figure it out. Lord, teach me to listen, not with the intent on replying, but with a desire to hear you clearly. Lord, teach me to obey, even if it's painful or costly. In Jesus' name.